Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 21. <clears throat> Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned, to be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who is a pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who received God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more, so that just as sin reigneth in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the word of God. Amen. Good day, everybody. Can't say good morning. <clears throat> um. For those that didn't make it last night, my wife and I were extremely humbled by the turnout and uh, all the kind words that were said. For those that don't know us, we are uh, Robert and Jean Smith, and we have been lived here in Latvia for 12 and a half years, working with the Reformed churches here, and then with Grace Church in the last two years. And, um, we're moving back to America. Uh, we'll work one year in the States and then we'll retire. I'm that old. Um, in fact, by the time that oh, next December rolls around, I'll be one month shy, two months shy of turning 70. So I'm an old man. Um, I want to I, I want to begin and this. This may start off a little bit odd. So forgive me, but I want to begin with a question and then tell you a story. The question is how many people, and I'd like to see a show of hands because this is going to tell your age, how many people know of and have seen the original movie, The Highlander? 
Okay. Well, they did a TV series after that, I think, and there were some cartoons. And But when The Highlander, for those that are not familiar, was a movie about a group of people known as immortals. Now, they weren't truly immortal because they could die. And that was the, uh, there was a saying among them, there can be only one. So they went about trying to find each other and kill each other. And, uh, but they couldn't die by normal means. They could be shot, they could be stabbed, they could be poisoned, they could be anything, and they didn't die. Um, and that's as much as you need to know about the movie. <laughs> but there was, uh, when they were making the movie, they, they sent out a request to several bands to write a theme song. And the, uh, the band Queen won it. And they wrote a song that had a completely different perspective than the others took. And that was about looking at the hero of this movie, how he fell in love he did not age, his wife aged, and he held her as she died. And in the song, the chorus of the song repeats over and over again, who wants to live forever? Well, the ironic thing is that in this world, it is a billion dollar industry trying to keep from dying. We spend billions of dollars as human beings with anti-aging cream on our face, mostly the women. Um, we take vitamins, we take supplements, we take all kinds of stuff to live longer, to live as long as we can. Now, I don't think there's anybody that actually would want to live in these bodies forever, but the problem is we're afraid of dying. We don't know what's on the other side. There's a darkness there, or at least there is for most people. Now the story. In 19, I mean, in, in uh, excuse me, 2019, I had a doctor in Latvia that overdosed me on a decongestant. Now, the effects were not immediate. It was a day and a half later, 2 o'clock in the morning. I woke up. My heart was pounding to beat the band. Um, I was in tachycardia. I was in AFib. My wife called the ambulance. They came and picked me up. I, um, I remember them, they, they made me get dressed before they would take me to the hospital. I, I had an IV in my arm, they had me get dressed, and they put me in this chair because we had to go down a flight of stairs. And then they couldn't take me to the, the ambulance, they had to lay me on the gurney there in the, the yard out on the sidewalk, and then travel on the gurney with me flat on my back from here to the piano to get to the ambulance. But I remember looking up at the sky 
it was clear as a bell, two o'clock in the morning, not a cloud in the sky. And I could see all the stars. And I thought I was dying. My heartbeat was at 186 beats a minute. The, um, the heart monitor was flashing AFib, 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 AFib. And I looked up in the sky, and the first thought that went through my head was, Jesus, is this the day I get to see you face to face? There was no fear. Well, I didn't get to see Jesus that day. <clears throat> um, but how can I and how can you have that assurance? Well, Paul is addressing that. The last few weeks, we've been going through the first five books of Romans. And Paul is making his case for sin and salvation. He's writing to the church in Rome. The Rome church was consisted of both Roman of Jews and Romans, other people from other nations. Now, the Jews, on one hand, were relying on their nationality, God's chosen people. They were relying on the law. We keep the law. Actually, they didn't. They tried, but they couldn't. The Gentiles, on the other hand, were looking to Jesus and saying, well, it's all by faith. Both of them both Jew and Gentile, thought they were special. And Paul made a case that none of you are special. In chapter 1, we see his case for God's wrath against the rebellious mankind. Chapter 2, we see a case that all of us are under God's righteous judgment because none of us are righteous. In chapter 3, we see that our only hope for righteousness is through faith. In chapter 4, we see that Abraham was chosen by God and justified not because he kept the law, but by faith. The law hadn't even been given yet, and yet he was justified by God. So that shoots the Jews idea of keeping the law as, as a way of being justified. And Abraham's obedience was after he was justified. It was because he was justified. And then in chapter 5 last week, we saw that we can have peace with God and a hope for the future, but only through Christ. Now, we're going to begin with verse 12, and Paul begins to sum it up, death through Adam and life through Jesus. 
And he points out in verse 12 that Adam sinned and brought death. In the beginning, Adam was created in God's image. There was no death. But Adam sinned and was cast out of Eden, and death began. Death reigned. Every person that lived was going to die. And because we are Adam's offspring, we too will die. This physical body will die. Now trust me, as you get older, you begin to reflect on that. When death is closer than it was when I was 20, I reflect on that. But all of us are affected by Adam's sin. Now, how can that be? How can one man's sin affect everybody? So I, I, want, you to, I want you to think for just a minute about an event that occurred a few years ago, an event that was a milestone in history because every person here will look back and say before this event and after this event. Most of you know the event. It's called COVID. Before COVID, we did this, this, and this. And during COVID, we did this. And after COVID, we did this, this, and this. Now, regardless of what your conspiracy theory is about how COVID started, whether you think somebody was bitten by a bat or regardless, if it was drummed up in a, um, uh, in a laboratory somewhere by people messing around with viruses and mutating them, it started with one person. One person got infected. And before long, it shut the world down. Literally. It shut the world down. And that's just a virus. What Adam did was rebellion against God. You see, with COVID, we had to be exposed to a person somehow that had the virus. We could have gotten it on a bus. We could have gotten it in a, a room with somebody. We don't know how we get it, other than we're in the proximity of somebody that has it. But with sin, we are affected from the moment of conception. David recognized this. In Psalm 51, David said in verse 5 that he was born a sinner. That he was, in fact, a sinner from conception. Before he had had the opportunity to do right or wrong, he was born a sinner. You see, unlike COVID, we don't need to be exposed to a virus to be sinful, to be unrighteous. We are the virus. And the only, uh, the only result is God's wrath. Not just a physical death, but God's wrath. 
Not just non-existence, but total and eternal separation from God and a wrathful punishment. Now, when you, when you think, well, how, I, I, you look at a child and they're so sweet, they're so babyish, you hold them, but all they think about is themselves. Me, 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 I want this, I'm hungry, I'm dirty, clean me, I'm tired, I want to sleep, but I can't. And they'll let everybody know it. <clears throat> Nobody has to teach a child to be selfish. It comes naturally. Came naturally to me, came naturally to you. Nobody has to teach us to be mean. It comes naturally. Now, some of us go through life and we, we train ourselves to be not as mean. Some of us can be pretty good people, but that doesn't change the fact that we are sinful people. Just look at our history. Here in Latvia, less than 100 years ago, less than 50 years ago, communist ruled. Look at World War II. Prior to that, World War I. Prior to that, all the various wars that have taken place. We see it even today in Israel and Gaza. We see it in Ukraine. You go to parts of Africa, you go to parts of South America, the drug cartels, the slave traders, it's going on. We are an evil people. We are the virus. But it's not just how we treat each other. It is how our relationship with God turns out. We invent other gods. We make up other religions. It's been going on for millennium. Well, maybe not millennium, for thousands of years anyway. <clears throat> we suppress the truth. We call ourselves good people. I'm basically a good person. We suppress the truth that we are who we are. Some of us will even deny God's existence. Now, Paul points out that everyone before the law died. Between Adam and the giving of the law to Moses, they died. There's not one person that lived up to that point, a, a full life of two, three thousand years. Death reigned before they even realized they were doing right and wrong. Because it is not just our sin. It is our unrighteousness. It is who we are. Paul makes this case. 
and it came from Adam. Now, ironically, Adam was a foreshadow of somebody to come. You see, Adam is our representative. He represents the entire human race. And Jesus represents all of his people. He is our representative. One would bring death, and one brings life. When Paul discusses this, the coming of the life, he refers to it as a gift. If you look at verse 15, but the gift. Now, each week we celebrate birthdays of the people that have had them the previous week, and they get to come up here and we sing happy birthday to them, and sometimes they give them a little treat or something. Um, but it's a gift. It's not something they've earned. It's a gift. We've all had birthdays. We've all had occasions with people have honored us. We had that last night. We received gifts. It's not something that we earned. If you look at the 12 and a half years that we were here in Latvia, we did not live perfect lives. We did things that we shouldn't have done. We made mistakes. But they gave us gifts. And it was a free gift, a gift from their heart. And that is what the life that brings Jesus to us is. Now, at the moment, at least for the next year, <clears throat> I, I'm employed and I receive a salary. That's the way it works. I provide a service. My company, my agency gives me a salary. Um, I've been doing that since I was 13 years old. Now, it wasn't always a great, grand and glorious job, but I would do work and I would receive a salary. And it was something that I earned. If salvation could be earned by keeping the law, it wouldn't be a gift. If salvation could be, um, could be won by being baptized, it wouldn't be a gift. And a gift is something that's very special. We received gifts last night that we'll treasure. And the truth is, you believed because God saved you. You were not saved because you believed. It's the old, the old question of the chicken and the egg, which came first? But to this, there is an answer, and the Bible's clear on it. It's, the Bible says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, 
but according to his mercy, he saved us. By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. We are sin and we continue to sin. And then look at Jesus, who was tempted in every sin that we've been tempted in. He was tempted to sin in every way that Adam was ever tempted. And yet he was not only sinless, but in spite of being sinless, he suffered God's wrath. He not only suffered a grueling, torturous death on a cross, but he endured total separation from the Father. Now, think about that. The Godhead, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit had been together for eternity past. And for three days, the Father turned his face away. We can't imagine how painful that was. And yet, how much greater is Jesus' obedience than Adam's sin? God's provision through Jesus for His people is so much greater than Adam's curse. Adam, as I said, was the representative of all mankind. He stood before God on behalf of all of us, and his disobedience affected all of us. And I mispronounced that word because it's not just affected, it's infected. His disobedience infected each of us. And Jesus is the representative of all his people. All that lived before he came, all that were alive while he was alive, and all who will live beyond until the end of time in his second coming. And his obedience and his sacrifice affects all of his people. You see, we receive His grace by faith. And that faith is a gift from God. Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in the condemnation for all people, also one righteous act resulted in the justification of life for all people. Verse 18. Another question real quick. How many people have heard of the Eureka Diamond? Well, we got one here, one gemologist, a couple more back there. In 1867, a 13-year-old boy was along with a, a number of his friends, and they were down by this river called the Orange River in South Africa, and they were picking up rocks and throwing them out into the water. 
And they had thrown quite a few. They'd been doing it for years. In fact, children before them had been doing it. These rocks were in were what's known as alluvial, if you're into geology. They had been washed down, and they were just loose in the sand. Imagine going to the beach on the coast of Latvia and walking along and seeing down on the beach a rock. Very similar. Now, you might pick it up and it's a piece of amber. You might pick it up and it's a fossil. I actually have found a fossil on the beaches here in Latvia. Um, but he picked up this one rock and he looked at it and he took it to his uncle and he said, what is this? Because they'd been throwing them all day long. They'd been throwing them most of their lives. And his uncle said, I don't really know. So he took it to somebody else and it turned out it was a diamond. A diamond that when it was cut and polished was worth hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it started in South Africa a big rush to, uh, to find diamonds because they're just laying around. Now they mine for them there. But they were at that time were just laying around. <clears throat> now, we in the church are exposed to the gift that Paul refers to. And yet we really don't comprehend the value. How precious. How precious is what Jesus did for you. You're not just forgiven for the sins you have committed. You're not just cleansed of the sins that you're going to commit. We are forgiven and cleansed from the curse of Adam's sin that has blackened our hearts. And we no longer have to endure the wrath of God. Because as sin increased, we had Adam's sin and then daily little rebellious people <laughs> do things I want it my way um, and, and we continue to sin and our sins compound but our hearts were cleansed from that infection of Adam's sin that occurred on the moment of conception that made me just like that. <laughs> Think about this. God loved His people so much that the Creator Himself would become the created, 
would live among them would suffer absolute separation from God the Father that he had known for eternity. And he paid the price not just for the sins that you've committed, but for your unrighteousness. Look around you today in this room. Do you see the saints of God? Do you see the people that have trusted in Jesus as their Savior? Do you see the people that Jesus died for? You can look around. That wasn't a metaphorical question. Look around. You see, we share the righteousness of Jesus. Look around you in history at the saints that have come before us and the saints that will, will go before us, <laughs> the ones that are coming along. Do you see the saints of God? We share in the same hope that they do. And as you look to the future, to that day when we will meet Jesus and get to see him face to face, we will share in his immortality. We will share in his eternal life. We are part of God's people, past, present, and future. We have one thing in common that beats everything else, and that is a shared eternity with Jesus. He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and he sits at the Father's right hand interceding for you right now. He's praying for you that you would endure. We are his precious bride. As we go out today and begin the coming busy week, I ask that you not, that you stop, excuse me, I ask that you stop, not forget to reflect on the precious gem, so much more precious than that diamond, so much more precious than anything you could imagine. how deeply, how deeply we are in need, and yet how deep the Father's love. And because of that love, we are no longer slaves to the curse of Adam. But with Jesus, we have a shared eternity. Thank you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for allowing me to open your word. I thank you for each of us that have heard your word. I pray, Lord, that if there's one here that may not know you, 
that you would pique that interest in them. And I pray that above all else, as we go about our week, that we reflect on that precious gift that you've given us beyond compare, as Paul puts it. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.